to the midweek edition of the Progress with Unity podcast. Recording this after three magical points against Crew Alexander. Adam's back after his sabbatical. How are you doing, Adam? Very well, thanks, Barry. How are you doing? Fine. I'm glad the game was last night and not tonight with this weather. It's a bit windy. The dog's not liking it. And, and Paul, those things up in uh, sunny Aspel. Yeah, not too bad. Covid's in the house, but... Fortunately, not with me. It's not a serious case. I'm sure that was a hit in 1987 from Yaz and the Plastic Population. <laughs> oh no, that was Doctor in the House, wasn't it? We get Athletic 2, Crew Alexandra, nil. We should have been out of sight by half time. <laughs> and it was one of those games where you're thinking, are we going to score? Are we going to score? And it was left up to the magical duo of Callum Wang and James McLean. Well, I, I would have said the magical duo of James McLean and Max Bauer orchestrate McLean with the space to put the cross in, which was a belting cross. In fairness, we should have been we should have been four or five up at half time, I think. Power's crossing last night was superb. Dead ball and through open play. The keepers had a decent game, but you know, really a couple of those headers you'd like to think that you wouldn't even give the keeper a chance like Lang did in the second half. I don't think we were playing too badly. There was something that I couldn't put my finger on that was missing. But it wasn't too bad. And I think we just needed to stay patient and the goal would come. And I think that I think that's the way to look at it, really, that we, you know, we we will need that as the season progresses, that that patience. Because you don't always get what you deserve. And you've you've just got to keep chipping away until you do get the what I would have seen as the inevitable goal. I, I think we've said previously that at this time of this this, this season. Wait, either you're up at the top or down at the bottom, it's results that matter and nothing else. Performances, forget them. You need to grind out those results. Just one, one thing on, on performances. Did Will Keenly 100% fit here? No. And he didn't like he didn't on Saturday, to be fair. I think he I think we brought him back because he's been one of our best players, certainly in the attacking third. We've won the two games he's come back in. So a sense that maybe Teams can't just mark Lang out of the game. He's obviously not in a position where he's going to get worse because we're not mad and, you know, we've got a good medical team. But there's a big difference, isn't there, between being fit enough to to go onto the pitch and being fit enough to play to your absolute potential. And I don't think he's at that level yet, but might return to it. And I don't know whether it is just he's a bit rusty after... Three weeks on the sideline, maybe. It was a bit like that last season, wasn't it? Where when he came back after his bout of COVID, it took him like two or three weeks to get going and then there were no no holding him back. Yeah, I mean, like I said last week, we are in that slight transition stage where, you know, you've got McGinnis coming in, a bit of chopping and changing going on up front. Based on what Will King's done in the last period, you're just going to play him if you can get away with it, aren't you? Hope he finds that top form and expect that he will. There's a bit of change of formation again. We went to the, the back four with... James McLean playing left-back, who had a absolutely sensational game, I thought. But Kel Watts coming in, who today, you know, it's been announced to sign another deal with Newcastle. But anyway, that's by the by. Kel Watts came in and, and Tilty weren't even on the bench. So you may should question, as he picked an eggle up, after sprinting down the line on on, uh, on Saturday. Let's hope not, because, you know, a key player for us, Tilty, I think. You know, I think he's the one who, last season towards the end of the season, got us through in terms of his defensive work. And this season, he's taken it on to another level, really. Um, I think he's improved. I think he's more than just a centre-back now who does the ugly things. He can also do the very good things as well. And I enjoy watching him 
play football, his enthusiasm and his strength and uh, leadership qualities as well. Hopefully it's not an injury and it's just a bit of squad rotation. There's a lot of squad to rotate in there and last night would have been a good game to rotate people in and out. But usually when that happens, you end, you see people on the bench just in case they're needed. You don't see them drop completely out. But yeah, I, I thought Gwen Edwards had a very good game last night as well, coming in, got stuck in, dangerous at times. I think the best thing for me last night was the fact that Ben Amos did nothing because he didn't have anything to do. The keeper had a few uh, a few things to do and say he was uh, performing some heroics. Before I forget, I just mentioned the effort right at the very day death were the were one of the crew players planted an absolute brilliant oh, header. oh, oh yeah good effort that yeah very yeah. good effort top yeah. class save as well so I, I'd have forgotten about that if I hadn't mentioned it then the second half we grinded out that goal that we wanted and we've already spoken about the, the throw in that took place and Maxi Powers setting McLean up to, to whip the crossing and it was a great header from Wang Gunter it was like a the old-fashioned centre-forward bullet header jumped up, arched his neck, bang, and it was in the back of the net. Great goal. Yeah, excellent. And the other thing, just while we're on that with power, what I, what I liked was that he was innovative in terms of some of his free kicks last night. It wasn't always just put the ball into the box. You know, a few times he played it into the channel, that chance in the first half for Lange. So it shows the thinking a bit outside the box. Humphreys came on again and injected that energy <laughs> when we needed it. I've got just got to say about Crew Alexander, they're one of the worst sides that we've played this season, if not the worst. I thought they were awful. The player that Stuart from uh, the Railway Men identified last week, Tommy Lowry, I thought he was at half decent, but the rest of them I thought they were shockers. They reminded me of us in relegation seasons where they kind of knock a few balls about, but I've got no cutting edge and nothing. We didn't look in any danger whatsoever last night. I thought was in danger of not scoring. The the town wasting in the first half was shocking. Uh, we tried to count it up. I got it to about five or six minutes. The ref added, added two on. The second half again, there was only four minutes added on at the end of the of the second half. Both the uh, line over on the west side and the referee, I think they're the worst I've seen. Well, I've, that's it, yeah, full stop. They're the worst what? I've seen. How did the goalkeeper not get booked? In the first half, I mean, that, that, that's the most blatant time wasting I've ever seen, and he doesn't get booked. I mean, to be fair to him, he carried on time wasting when we were a goal up. He was getting stick from people around me, and that's still cheating, Paul, because essentially I mean, that's well, he can cheat all he wants when we when we're winning. Well, well, not but no, because if they if if they keep it at one nil and then they get a lucky goal in the last minute, they've played. They always say, don't they? The inferior team, if you can keep it at one nil to the last ten minutes, you've got a chance. So that was still their game plan. That's how poor they were. They were still playing for a 1-0 with five minutes to go. And luckily for us, McLean, 10 minutes to go, got that second and then it was safe, wasn't it? It was just how many we were going to score. I mean, what I found interesting was the fact that with about three minutes to go, the centre arse was sprinting up for a corner, <laughs> 2-0 up, which I think it shows how much danger they thought we were in, in the game. They were all after a bit of the action, weren't they, getting a goal? Tom Naylor got cleaned out in the box as he was about to pull the trigger from behind. Yeah. The ball wasn't played at all. The referee was four yards away. Nothing given again. I mean, it's ridiculous, isn't it? The, the decisions oh. that are not getting made. Goal, do you not think the referee for a second looked like he was going to give it and then changed his mind? I thought his mannerism was to sort of, he, he kind of, I don't know, he, he sort of insinuated that he was going to point to the spot and then didn't do anything. And then it turned into a mad scramble after that, didn't it? But yeah, that that referee, shocking the officiating, shocking. 
That referee looked very inexperienced. And when you look at his record, it's his first season in the EFL. I think he'd done 20, 21 games, Paul, last week. But in the previous three seasons across the National League, in three seasons, he'd only done 46 games across three seasons. So he's not got a lot of games game time under his belt. And it showed he was very poor. I, I want to make a point here, though. Just a, not only a quick point, but the, the referees have been that bad in general that you've got to you've got to start thinking about the system itself rather than the individuals within the system. There's clearly a problem at the moment with getting quality refs lower down the pyramid. You know, so for me, something needs to be done. I think like the great interview that Barry did with Chris Foy, you know, trying to get people to referee from a young younger age. And, but they need to be in a structure. They need, they need mentoring because they're just at the moment not up for the job. And the problem is we're not talking here about park football. We're talking about livelihoods. You know, you've got to have the right people. You're paying your players a lot of money. You know, you've got to make sure that the, the, the officials are up to that standard. And at the moment, they're clearly not. They're nowhere near the standard that you should expect in a professional league. The stats from the game, 55% possession with 20 shots with nine on target. They had six with none on target. We committed 17 fouls. They committed 16. We picked up two yellow cards, Watson Naylor, and they picked up one. There was 8,509 on last night with 287 travelling up from crew. The man of the match is voted for by the Progressive Unity podcast listeners, both on Facebook and Twitter, was overwhelmingly James McLean. He absolutely romped it. So well-deserved an assist and a goal. Superb performance at left-back. I thought he was fantastic last night. Uh, back to his, his buzzing self. I did like the way he celebrated his goal as well after receiving a lot of stick all through the game. Run down to the crew fans and... Uh, with them off as they were leaving. Good for good for James. Yeah, and horrible chanting again. So let's uh, let's just leave it at that. I liked his post-match comments as well. Again, talking about character and having the patience to stick to the game plan, and also how they don't struggle getting up for the big games. It's getting up for these games that you should win that is shows the character. So I think they'll be ready for Friday. Right, talking of Friday, we've got Rotherham at the New York Stadium, top of the table clash. So, yeah, the preview for the game at the New York Stadium. I want to be a part of it with Josh Yeardley from Rotherham. Over to you, Josh. Thanks for asking us to help out with the top of the table clash preview between Rotherham and Wigan this Friday. Uh, you sent me through some questions, so I'll, answer, I'll get along with answering them now. Question one is fantastic season, and did you expect it? Did I expect to be first in the league after 31 games? Probably not when you look at the some of the teams in this division and how well they've recruited. But I, I did expect just to be top top six most definitely. We've got a manager who's gained two promotions from this division. We do have an experienced league one side and we also recruited well ourselves. And hopefully we stay first for the rest of the season. It would be nice to win a league title. I've never seen Rotherham do that. Uh, number two is how is Will Grigg doing? In terms of goals, he hasn't got that many. He's got six in all competitions, and I think he's chipped in with two or three assists. But his uh, his link-up play with Michael Smith's been very good. He's a very 
clever play. You can tell that he's played at a much better level than us, and you can tell that he's played with better clubs than us. He was enjoying his football before his injury last week against Wimbledon, which rules him out until, I think, near enough the end of the season. But Paul Warren does want to keep him, and I can understand why he wants to keep him. I can definitely see him being a miss because of how well he has linked up with Michael Smith, but we have other strikers who can step up in his place. So, as much as I've said... 21 goals, 6 assists in all competitions. In my opinion, the best striker in League One. We have young Josh Hayodi, who's really done well this season whenever he's called upon two goals, 4 or 5 assists, but his work rate's second to none. He gets in really good positions, and you know he's one that we really have high hopes for. And we also still have Freddie Ladapo, regardless of what some fans think of him after handing in his transfer request in January. He's still our striker. And Paul Warren still says he's committed as ever. And he did get a goal on sat on Sunday against Sheffield Wednesday. Top three players this season. Oof, that's, that's a very tricky one to answer that. We've got so many. We've had so many players on form this season. I would like to give honourable mentions to Josh Vickers, Victor Johansson, Romani Edmonds-Green, uh, Michael Heckler, Joe Benny, Mikel Miller and uh, Ben Wiles. But my top three players this season... I'll go with Michael Smith, as I said, he's our top goal scorer. Arguably our most important player as well. And as I've said previously, the best striker in League One. Dan Barlassa, our quarterback, as Paul Warren describes him. Very good technician, very good passer of the ball, very good set-piece taker. He also chips in with some very good goals as well. The third one is, I'd say, our, our leader, our legend, uh, Richard Wood. 36 years old, but continuously gets better with age. Solid. And just a very good captain, especially at this level. Never lets us down. Obviously won man of the match and deservedly so against Sheffield Wednesday on Sunday. Best team you have played this season. This might come as a shock to a few people, but I'd say Cambridge. We've played them three times this season and Cambridge can consider themselves very unlucky to not come away with points in both the league games. And they could be, and they could consider themselves very unlucky to not, not to not have beat us. Also in the Papa John's Trophy as well, they've got a very good squad, got a very good manager, and I think if they keep all of the manager, all of the majority of that squad, and add a couple of players next season, they could quite easily be dark horses to finish in the playoffs for league. Again, that's just my opinion. Favorite ever player slash manager at Rotherham. Ooh, I'd say my favorite ever Rotherham player has got to be Kari Armson. Again, honourable mention goes to Alan Lafondre, who's, who's arguably one of the best strikers I've seen at Rotherham. But yeah, favourite ever player is Kari uh, Arneson, former Icelandic international, obviously he's now retired. Was at Rotherham for three seasons, no idea how Steve Evans managed to sign him when we were in League Two, but you could tell he was a class above. Players weren't, weren't on his on the same wavelength as him. Again, in League One, he gave us three very good seasons, two promotions and a, a survival season in the Championship, him and Craig Morgan were were two very good leaders at centre-back for us as well, and he was also very composed when he played and asked upon to play midfield as well. Favourite ever manager, again, I've seen two managers win double promotions with us. I've seen Paul Warren, who's had two promotions from League One with us. Very difficult, but I, I think I would have to say Ronnie Moore, but with Paul Warren as a close second, just because not how he is as a manager, but how he is as a person as well. He's, he's done so much for this football club. When he took over, we were a club massively in decline with a lot of players who don't care. And now he's, he's transformed the football club from first team right now to the youth team. But obviously, I'm going to say Ronnie Moore for the back-to-back -back promotions and obviously keeping us in the championship for four seasons as well. Obviously, the second time he came back, 
wasn't as successful, but will always be a legend in everyone's eyes at Rotherham. Prediction for the game this Friday. I can see this being a very tough game. You have the second best away record. We have the best home record. You have a very, very, very good squad full of talented players, talented strikers. I'm going to say 1-0 to Rotherham. As I've said, I do believe it will be a very, very, very tough game. Potentially our toughest game of the season and most definitely our biggest game of the season to date. Thank you, Adam, once again for allowing me to take part in the preview for this game. And all the best after Friday. Well, he doesn't seem that upbeat, does he, for a guy whose team's at the top of the league. But um, I think, generally speaking, he's very pleased with the way that things are going. And I think the bit that I took from it was one of his players of the season is the guy who just seems to have been there for like 20 years. He just seems to have played against us so many times. Uh, uh, Wood at the back. So that'll be an interesting battle, whoever plays there for us, whether it be Humphreys or McGuinness, they're going to have a battle on there. But yeah, I think... um, I think his assessment of Rotherham's season is, is is correct. I think they've been excellent throughout, and uh, you know I, I think they'll get promoted. Okay, let's have ref watch for the Rotherham game on Friday. The referee will be Jeremy Simpson from Carnford. He's a Select Group Two referee. This will be his thirteenth Latics game. His last Latics game was the three 0 win over Stoke at the DW back on the thirtieth of June, twenty twenty. He's also a former Premier League and FIFA-listed assistant. Simpson has been refereeing in the English Football League since 2012. Of his 13 Latics games, five have been away from the DW, of which we've won zero and lost four. And Jeremy Simpson's card watch for this season, 2021-22, is 22 games, 93 yellows, five reds and nine penalty awards. Given the refereeing we've had, it's about time that we get some some of that refereeing karma going our favour, I think. So over to the previous, we've met 41 times, 122, drawn seven and 12 defeats. First meeting was an FA Cup tie. Barry was there back in November 1935. We lost 2-1 at Springfield Park with Teddy Felton getting a Latics goal. Latics historians will know that Felton later that season was signed by first division giants Huddersfield Town, the team of the 30s. He scored 75 goals in 113 appearances in just three short seasons for the Latics. It'd be 48 years before the two clubs would meet again. A Division 3 encounter, New Year's Eve, 1983. Once again at the mighty Springfield Park. This time, the scoreline was reversed as the Latics ran out 2-1 winners. The last meeting came on the 14th of August. The first game back at the DW after administration and lockdown, and we won with a Will Keane goal in the last minute from a Max Power cross. Rotherham's form, spectacular. Five wins in a row. 68 points, top of the league, excellent. 15 home games this season, they've got 35 points, 15 wins, two defeats to Fleetwood and Chef Wens, and two draws with Wickham and Crew, bizarrely. 34 goals scored, just 11 against the best home record in the division. Over to Barry for the predictions. I agree with Josh in his assessment of what type of game it's going to be. I think it's going to be a very, very tough game. They're a strong physical side, Rotherham. I think we all picked them out early season. I definitely picked them out as potential champions. I think it's going to be a stern test for us. Do we struggle against sides like this? I think we do, to be honest, and I'm a little bit worried. I'm not tempted to go for a defeat, but I think think we're going to go for a diplomatic one-all draw. 
as I said about James McLean on his post-match comments, the guys are going to be up for this one. And I'm going to go with a repeat of the scoreline at the DW, a 1-0 Latix win. I think we might get, we'll change the tactics for this. I think we might go three at the back again with the wing backs, uh, which is great with McLean and Dreekwa. I think that those positions suit them well. We'll pack the midfield. It'll be a physical game. We're going to have to earn the right to play. But I think this is the sort of game that we sign these big game players for. Callum Lang will love it. James McLean will love it. You know, we've got big game players in there. So I'm going for Rotherham United. Nell Wigan Athletic 2. Right, there's a, a full fixture list at the weekend. Everybody else is playing Saturday by us. I'll run through them quickly. Bolton play Wimbledon. Cambridge United be Accrington Stanley. Cheltenham Athletic, Oxford United. Crew Alexandra, Portsmouth. South Yorkshire Derby, Doncaster Rovers v Sheffield Wednesday. Fleetwood Lincoln, Gillingham, Plymouth. Ipswich Town play Burton. Shrewsbury Town play Morecambe. Sunderland are at home to MK Dons and Wickham Wanderers are at home to Cheltenham Town. Bottom two fixtures, though, we'll be keeping our eye on, no doubt at all. Well, it's Neil's first game in charge, for, isn't it, for the uh, for Sunderland? Yeah, so we're all very excited about Friday. Let's hope that the uh, the weather holds and the game actually does go ahead and uh, we can get that one put to bed. So uh, until Sunday, when we'll be back with all the reactions to the Rotherham game, it's uh, a goodbye from me and it's an up the ticks. <laughs>